Namaste and in la catch, and welcome to this episode of One World in a New World. I'm your host, Zen Benefiel, and as always, I'm going to remind you what those words mean. Namaste comes from the Sanskrit spoken, it's Brahmi, and it means the divine in me recognizes the divine in you. In la catch comes from the other side of the world, the Mayan civilization, and it means I am another you. Now, these are a couple of ancient phrases that we've forgotten. Now think about what would happen if you had that frame of mind in approaching everyone you meet and even looking at yourself in the mirror. What kind of a change might that affect in your life as far as your level of happiness and joy? Check it out. Try it on. Don't believe me? Test it for yourself. All right, so this week's guest is Sophia Joseph. She's a really interesting woman, wonderful background. She's the founder and CEO, CEO of Imagined Life. Now, she's got a history as an Olympic skating coach. So you can imagine the kind of discipline that she's aware of. She's an international speaker and author. She's a success identity expert. And she has a Master of Arts in Spiritual Psychology from the University of Santa Monica. Now, one of the things that I thought was really cool is that how she presents herself. She says, not everyone has the potential to better or to be better than anybody else, but everyone has the potential to be the best they can be. That measure of success is available to every person. So I'm thankful for that and how she shares that. Sophia, welcome. Thanks for showing up. Thank you so much, Sam. It's an honor and pleasure being here. And thank you so much for such a beautiful introduction and tapping in into, right into the heart of what my heart is in for. Thank awesome. you. Awesome. So let's continue tapping into that heart. You know, I, one of the things that I really relish it is the conversations that develop and, and how we explore how we found out about the interconnections that we have, right? And that I believe that they're innate, but we don't often discover them until later in life because we're too busy, right? And, and maybe we're designed that way too. I happen to have one early and I would like to know, you know, kind of when you found out that there was something more and that were, there was something that was perhaps even guiding you to a greater aspect of yourself? That's a great question. <laughs> well, <clears throat> you know, I have to say that I was pretty blind for a long time and ambition and desire for more was really my driving force as this is why I have accomplished what I have accomplished as a skating coach. And at the same time, that drive was always within me to seek the potential within my students in order to compete at that level because I was obsessed about Olympics and now Olympics is coming here again, right, sure. in a couple of weeks. And you came from the Eastern Bloc area, which is notorious for these really disciplined, passion-filled um, practice and performance, right? Uh, My wife yeah, from St. Petersburg, and, and she had the choice of being a, a gymnast or a pianist, and, and she went with pianist, but she started at five years old. And, you know, they pushed her all the way up through conservatory. I did come from that culture, but that doesn't mean that I was part of that culture at all. True, I, I get that. <laughs> and yet, that culture is much more present and uh, let me back that up that culture is much more in my opinion productive of critical th and thinking deductive logic knowing what the discipline is and being able to put it into practice not so much in america we're a little more free form kind of it takes a, a unique individual to really apply well, their that that part was a challenge more in terms of training these athletes that you have the vision for them or where they can go. 
and then they don't want to work as hard as you trying to push them. So in Russia, in the Soviet Union, no one is asking you what do you want. You just going to do what they tell you. Right. So this isn't this isn't the same kind of environment here in the United States. But at the same time, I think that really supported me in developing my skills to be able to reach these kids with a different kind of approach than the kind of approach that was applied to me when I was growing up. Because mm -hmm. so, I was growing up being stupid, lazy pig, and, you know, my coaches were not put in the prison for that, and no one accused them of child abuse. Right. <laughs> Gosh, it was is. not uncommon for my coach to physically beat me on, beat, not, beat, you know, hit me on the ice and yeah. not just hit like this, but take a skating skate guard and really hit you hard. And, you know, I mean, she wouldn't be wasting her time yelling straight your knee. She'll just take a guard and hit you on the knee. And right. I knew the difference between plastic guards and rubber guards. You know, sure. rubber guards are much well, harder than the plastic ones. And even with that, the intention was, was to get you to be better, right? To get you to perform. Well, Not necessarily the best way to do it, but, <laughs> but that's kind of the, the attitude. Well, the, you know, there was, there definitely was a major part of coming in like when i came in to get my master to get my master's degree in spiritual psychology and i was doing the processes my inner child and stuff all of that came up and all of a sudden i see the whole trauma that i've been living through as a child but then at the same time i was able to see the gift of seeing that treatment for example how i was raised abused and not having any confidence and and the, the thing is you know there could be two kids standing next to each other and you can call one stupid lazy pig and that child will be like f you that's not who i am i'm going to prove it to you mm -hmm. and then there is another kid who is going to say yeah that's really is who i okay. am yeah. And and that was me. I was, yeah, I am stupid, lazy pig. Why bother trying? Nothing's going to change anyway. So that was me. I wasn't, I was not seeing that as motivation. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was just this who I am, and that's never going to change. And part of that was I was. I was Jewish, short, stocky, dark-haired girl in Russia, in Latvia, where everyone is tall and skinny, blonde, blue-eyed. And so when they call me stupid, lazy pig, obviously I am stupid, lazy pig. And that you saw yourself as fitting the picture, right? Yeah, it's, well, um, that, that so would be the ultimate outlier, right? So for me, that was it was not the approach that worked for me. And I didn't build, I didn't know that that was motivation. Right. I just. Well, still, even though you did that, it set you up. It was all part of the process, right? It well, got you to that next place and, and that next place being maybe a little more exploration of yourself. How did that happen? When did you have that transition from the stupid lazy pig to someone that, stepped up and, and it's like wait a minute that's not me I, i'm better no, no what happened was i got kicked out which i was very happy about because i didn't want to skate <laughs> I can't do that. don't even do that anymore right well freedom uh, well what child would like to be put you know into that kind of situation and unforced and I it's mean, a tough road absolutely my parents would sit on my body and not allow me to stand up and i would be screaming bloody murder because i didn't want to be in those splits and and then i finally got kicked out Whew. but my mother was obsessed with skating so she kept bringing me to practice anyway and one day this woman saw me at the rink and she was like this is the most beautiful, talented little girl I've ever seen. 
can I coach her? She was a new coach. And that woman was the first person in my entire life who saw me something other than stupid lazy pig. Mm -hmm. Now that didn't necessarily change how I saw myself, but I, it was someone who loved me. Certainly uh, opened the door for a different experience. Well, I, I tried for her. I gave her my best just so that she would keep liking me because I was so scared that I'm going to go back to, you know, being stupid, lazy pig, but she right, liked right, me. Right. So I wanted to give her my soul. And so with her, I became Latvian national champion purely on her encouragement and love and that was the change when I realized you had to have the talent too. So don't diminish yourself with that, right? That well, talent had to have been there. She just nurtured it. Well, I realized then that I wasn't, you know, obviously I was standing on a podium, so I wasn't stupid, lazy pit. <laughs> and that means there was some potential within me. And even though I didn't continue on skating later when we came to the United States and opportunity presented itself that I could become a figure skating coach. I wanted that because of that woman, because mm -hmm. of what she has done for me. I wanted to take these other stupid, lazy pigs who no one wanted and get that potential out of them and prove to the world that everyone has that. So I wasn't an Olympic skater. I wasn't world famous athlete. No one knew who I was. So that means I was starting out from no name, nothing. And all of the talent is going to someone who's got big name. And, you know, that's where all the talent goes. So I get the craps who no one wants. And that to turn around these kids and get them and get them become some of the best skaters in the country and even the world was like wow yeah well and, and that's phenomenal how so in the depths of, of who you were how did you transfer that enthusiasm and, and that let's say inner knowing in the in the kids how did you transfer that into them well or how I, did you I inspire guess. and draw it out of them I, I guess would probably be the better question <laughs> well i have to say that would take me back to to beginning when i started coaching for the first time and I, I was a student at the University of Delaware and I was getting my coaching degree in figure skating and I was already all Olympics and I'm going to become something. And there was a professional skaters associations conference where the best coaches in the world are speaking. And in that year's conference, Bella Caroli, gymnastics coach, if you know who he, who he is or was, he was a gymnastics coach who trained 196 medalists at Worlds, Olympics, Nationals, and Europeans, 46 gold medals. And he was presenting. And obviously this man was not lucky because you don't get 46 gold medalists by luck absolutely so, you got a process right so i was like if he could do that then i can learn how he does how he did that so i have to be at this conference to learn from this man because if he can do it i mean what do i have different than him i have one head two arms two legs right, i've right. got the brain i can learn and so I went to this conference and Bello Caroli was speaking and he, he's Romanian. And if those of you who've seen him, he's got this huge mustache on his mouth. And at the time, well, first of all, I'm, I just came from Russia not too long before that. And I did not know English all that well. And he speaks with Romanian accent, so it's hard to understand him for me sure. because 
I have hard time understanding people that speak perfect English, but let alone the ones that speak with an accent. Right. And on top of that, I was not aware of having a hearing issue that I was not um, I, I have a, um, actually profound hearing loss and I have hearing aids, you know, see, so mm -hmm. anyway, I did not know that I had that and that I was reading lips and he has this mustache that covers his mouth. Oh my gosh, what a challenge. So, and I am sitting there at, you know, front, front row, leaning forward with my notebook, Bella Caroli is speaking and I can't understand anything he is saying. And I was so bummed. I was like, that's it. I came here, I paid all this money to be here and I don't have any money. I took credit card just to be there. I was a student. I was on welfare. I got the credit card to pay for being oh at this gosh. conference. And I can't learn anything from him. And I got so disappointed. So I just put everything down and just sat there and just looking at, you know, looking at him speaking, knowing that I can't understand anything. And as he was speaking, all of a sudden, I started feeling like my heart goes, beats faster, my body starts moving. And I have this desire to get out of that room and go to the ring and teach my students. And I am like, I see it, that the magic of what he is talking about is not in this method. It's in his fire. It's in the way he's seeing and the way he's communicating and the way he is bringing that energy. And he comes over to me and he looks me in the eye and he is like, I'm like, I'm ready. I'm going to do this. <laughs> I can do this. And that moment I saw that I had that gift within me and that I could do that. For sure, I knew it, and so I did. I did do. I did have yeah. the gift of getting that out of my students and getting that unshakable belief in them yeah. that they yeah. had yeah. it and yeah. that they could do it. So what what I hear you saying, and and this is maybe a little different view, the fire in him ignited the fire in you that you had already because and he saw it he saw it in your eyes yes right those are the gateway well he I saw guess it. he was my he was my positive projection i've recognized myself in him right and, and you also practice the old adage of you want to go someplace find somebody that's already been there and ask them how well, but I, I didn't really learn from him how he did that, but I just, I had the belief that I was going to be able to do that. Is and it I possible? Did. Let me let me ask you this, and, and maybe this is a new way to, to see something. So you know all about energy, right? That we carry it, that it's transferable, right. that, that we can sense and feel others, that even though we may be unconscious at the time. Is it possible that there was the boundaries that you thought might have been there actually weren't to your inner being. Your inner being was fully present and available to receive all of that and respond to it. The reason I say that is I had a similar kind of experience. Uh, I was at a satsang in, um, oh gosh, um, Desert Palms. And during that, 5,000 people in a room. I was invited. The presenter only spoke in Punjabi. There was no interpreters or anything. I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I, I can't, you know, I, I don't understand this. And so I just closed my eyes and listened. And all of a sudden, I started getting this imagery. And it, the imagery was the message that he was delivering verbally. And I checked, you know, because I checked in with some folks afterwards. And it was like, wow, that was really cool. So there's this potentially other part of us that's really paying attention. And even in quantum physics, you know, we're 99% space. So there's that transference of energy that you picked up on and then applied it. And, and that's, 
kind of had well, I, I it's an exciting I, experience too you know at the time at, when, at the time i was 23 i, I didn't know any any of this oh yeah so all you wanted to was, do is find some way to right. teach your students but right that was completely that was completely um unaware of that which probably was you look good because I wasn't analyzing it. I was just absolutely. It. There was no distractions in it. You were just full on experience at that time. What happened? Uh, so this was 1994, and 2016, I was moving, and I was moving from California to Las Vegas. A lot of things changed i wasn't coaching skating anymore I and mean, a lot of a lot of things changed and i was sitting on the floor in the garage going through stuff that i was going to throw away because you know you don't want to drag old stuff from one house to another across the states and stuff so sure. you're letting go of stuff and there was a box and that box was with my books textbooks from college and there was a notebook and of course i was gonna throw it away but i mean wouldn't you be kind of curious right and so i just picked this notebook randomly and i just opened this notebook and it opens up on the letter and there is a letter and it begins dear bella my name is blah 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 and i've met you at this conference and i mean and i write this letter to bella caroli and making him promises how i was so inspired and how i i wanted to be just like him and how he moved me and how i want to be this coach like him and how i want to go to the olympics and how i how I want to be an author and write a book and blah, blah, blah. I write all of these things. And I read this letter and like my eyes, like I start just crying. I can't believe that I've lived all of that. I've manifested every single thing that I wrote and that was written in that letter to Bala Karoli. Mm -hmm. Now, let me ask it you this. It was, you know, the most incredible thing was how sometimes we'll look back, you know, I'm not good enough, this is not good enough, this is not good, this is never yeah. accepting of yourself. And I was sitting on that floor and reading this letter from my 23-year-old my that I never appreciated, liked, and never thought that she was any good. and there i could see that i am who i am today because of the brilliance and courage and vision that she had absolutely and the fact that again here the you know the aspect of energy and creating flow or co-creating flow so what i heard you say was this was a a really deeply felt emotional expression of your desire for success in multiple ways <laughs> right it came from your from the essence of your being though and you put yourself out as though you were speaking with him and so at some level he heard and responded too, because there were, uh, let me ask you this, as far as uh, the, the reference of that, when you were in the process of, of coaching, right? Did you notice moments when you thought or felt something and had a reference point of him come up in, in that moment in your head? You may not have expressed it, but- um, Him, you mean Bella Carole? Yeah. Well, I'm not sure. You may not have been aware. You know, I, I just noticed for me, I really think about a lot. Uh, uh, I think a lot about how I think. 
Well, <laughs> and sometimes I, mean, I don't know early, what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, I mean, early on, that it was staying with me a lot. And there were other experiences in addition. There were there was there was this coach who was a world and Olympic coach, also a famous coach, and he like held my hands and he looked me in the eye and he said, Faye, my name was Faye. Then he said, Faye, the world will know you. And I was like holding on to those words. Like he said that, that means that's going to happen. That's just another confirmation. Right. You see, Bala Caroli was like, I knew that I had this power. And then this man just told me that the world will know you. That means it's just going to happen. So I was... But I mean, there was there was something else that happened actually. It was interesting, but it's a long story. I don't know if I should go into that. But <laughs> I'd love to hear it, at, at least some of it. What I would like to acknowledge is that what you found was permission. For sure. Right. Well, the first permission happened. That's that's the story actually. Uh, we came to America, and I was getting my. I was getting my degree in accounting and I, you know, I never imagined being a figure skating coach and I like, stopped skating when I was 12. Didn't ever want to go back. I hated skating. But when we came here, I got introduced to what are ice capades and, and mm -hmm. Disney and Ice and I auditioned and Disney and I said they were going to take me and I was like imagining how I'm going performing you know the costumes sure. the show yeah. the lights and everything i loved always loved performing always i, I was acting for, for many years and i loved acting so i was like i can do this and so i stopped going to school because who wants to be an accountant when you can travel around in, uh, disney and ice <laughs> that's right? right yeah so, that's a so, lot of fun especially at that age <laughs> so i quit going to school and i had i had um a boyfriend at the time and he said you can't just not get any education i mean you're an immigrant right <laughs> in the united states you have to have education why don't you become a figure skating coach and i'm like well like how and he found out that the university of delaware has this program to to become a figure skating coach and i lived in new york at the time and University of Delaware is an out-of-state school. So I was getting accounting degree basically for free, mm -hmm. being on welfare. And here's the school with, you know, degree in coaching figure skating, out-of-state tuition, $15,000 a year. And I have no money. And so I went in, I saw this program and I saw a world and Olympic coaches training. And I was like, I want to be there. It, it, the, the training facility, facility looked like something, the coach that loved me, she kind of was working in that kind of environment. So it reminded me of that. And I wanted to go to the school. So my mother said, you're out of your mind. If you do this, get out of my house. I don't want to know you. You're not going to be a figure skating coach. That's not a profession. You're wow. supposed to be on the counter. Kind of and we have no money to pay for school. So my dad went behind her back and got loans. And he, I was $3,000 short. I did not have enough money in loans to pay for school. I have no money. I mean, on welfare, right? Mm -hmm. No money at all. My parents, no one can help me. And so I was like, this is dream cannot happen because I don't have, I can't go. Three days before I had to submit my final $3,000, I go to pick up the mail, I open the mailbox, and there is an envelope with my name. I open this envelope, and there is a check for $3,000. <laughs> Six months prior, I was in some car accident, and I got this $3,000 check three days so before. Isn't it amazing? So let's just kind of acknowledge how integrated the universe is, <laughs> however you want to, you know, he, she, we uh, knew, perhaps, I mean, it could have been coincidence. However, that synchronicity mm -hmm. and others like them, I'm sure in your life and in others, they're 
too consistent to just be coincidence. There is a driving force that wants the best for us and that when we step up, like you did, you know, that, yeah. you just had the drive and the passion and, and this inspired. Um, well, you know, even at that time, I didn't believe anything. I had no clue about synchronicities. Evidently, you didn't need anything. to. But, but I knew, <laughs> you know, I knew this, like, it's my destiny to be there. Yeah. And that means I'm going to the Olympics for sure, because it's my destiny. Otherwise, I wouldn't have gotten this money, right? $3,000 like that did not yeah. just show up. I mean, it was not a penny more, not a penny less. I did, I mean, it was this check to the street, to the register. Oh, you need this? Okay, there. here it is. Okay. So that's, so it was that, and then the Bella Caroli, and then the world will know you. And so these things kind of like, it kept fueling my belief that it was my destiny. Mm -hmm. And in 2006, I got to coach Sasha Cohen at the 2006 Olympics in Torino. And I was like, my dream manifest. Well, I don't, I don't like using the word manifesting because I mean, I work my ass off. <laughs> well, absolutely. absolutely. Manifestation doesn't mean that there's no effort in it. Matter of fact, just the opposite. You give your whole being well, the, tr the process. It really is. You, if you, you put your 50% in and the universe will meet you 50% in. So it's a joint effort. I'd say it's probably more you got to give 100%. You, you have to be willing to give it all. Well, your fifty percent is your hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. right, right. You said you fifty percent. You give your hundred percent, but the other it'll be matched. Part, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like four one k, right? You pay yeah, exactly. the company pays the same as you. <laughs> yeah, it's like a divine four hundred one k. You know, matching funds um, or matching effort. So in this process, that this had to have been a, a way, the, the door opening to your understanding of a greater connection, however we want to call it, you know, words are sometimes insignificant because they, they put things in frames that perception can be lost. And, and so what it was offering you was the understanding that there's a greater connection that you have to life, the world reality and how did that begin that awareness begin to surface in you as you were going through this or was it just already there and, and you didn't have to think about it it was just something like your destiny well, right you just knew i 2006 i still didn't know and but at the olympics when i was there with my with my student I wasn't her main, well, I was her main coach in terms of coaching her, but my name was not on the list because she had the other coach. She was competing under the other coach, but I was like training. You said her. the coaches with the names, right? <laughs> <laughs> he had the name. I right, was right. training. So it's like a TA in college. Right. Well, you know, skating is politics too. So, oh, absolutely. <laughs> I was, you know, I wasn't that known, so they needed to use someone who had the name, and so I, I was training her. Anyway, you know, at the moment, it felt like I got my, it's not just that I got my dream, but now my life is going to begin, <laughs> mm. because now I'm finally going to start moving along. Sasha Cohen was not an athlete who I trained since childhood. She came to me as Sasha Cohen. She was already a famous athlete. So in my mind, that's not real. The real thing is me bringing my babies all the way out there. So anyway, with Sasha, there I am, I'm, you know, I'm working with her and she's having a very hard time. Olympics is not kiss and cry area. Kiss. 
waving into the camera and blowing kisses. Olympics is about screaming and kicking and and throwing temper tantrums and passion filled, and it's and that's the the essence dealing with an enormous amount of pressure, especially when you compete for the United States and you're an Olympic favorite. So it's like you carry the entire country on your shoulders. So everyone is expecting her to win and she is melting down and can't deal with that. And I am there, her other coach is there and she doesn't respond to anyone. She just falls down and lays in the middle of the ice crying and she can't do anything in the practice sessions. And there is nothing I can do because she's not coming over. And then after that, they call on the phone to someone in Russia who is not a skating coach. And they talk to this person who knows, in my opinion, my my then opinion, who knows nothing about skating. And and then she talks to this person and then she skates better. And I am mad because, you know, she's supposed to come to me. I'm supposed to help her. That's my job. How dare you give that to somebody else? (laughs) She's just calling someone else and I can't do anything about that. And so her mother tells me that there is this guy in Russia, he is woo, energy healer, and he does these things, you know, this magic stuff. And I'm like a pool of crap, <laughs> bullshit. Uh, but me, so I'm like, they're just yet there was the evidence excuses. of the result, right? Well, in my mind, they're just looking for excuses and, and the, something is not, is not right. Sure. So I'm not understanding this. And then, well, the Olympics didn't turn out that great. She got second. So that was the worst thing that could happen. (laughs) Not that great? A second in the Olympics? Come on. Well, that's what everyone (laughs) was like. Can you imagine? You ask the universe, right? You ask whatever. You want to train at Olympics and you want to train a medalist. And you get exactly what you ask for and yet that's not what you want she felt wise so that's and that's how she lost that gold medal so Mm. she didn't win the silver she lost the gold and now everyone who who are my enemies who are like she got to go with Sasha blah blah you know all these people who want me down now they're going to be like ah ha 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 it's your fault she fell down to us I mean it's I know it's all in your imagination Mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean that was all that was true this was my ego's truth how I was in, in meditation practices we call that the monkey mind you know, that, that's just chattering away, telling you everything you need to know about fulfilling the imposter syndrome. Well, and, that and moment, sometimes we listen to that. You seem like you might have heard it, but said, mm, eh. You know, at the <laughs> it, moment, it felt like such a horrible thing. And I'll bet. all of us went home very upset. And, you know, imagine Sasha who trained for 15 years for that moment and to lose it in 30, less than 30 seconds. And I, I have, I'm writing stuff right now and there are articles in the newspaper and they're trashing her. So, you, I mean, it, it was a hard time. And processing all of that, I thought, I will not have that with my younger kids. So I enrolled into sports psychology program and I decided to get a master's degree in sports psychology. So that's how I kind of like transition. I'm like, I have the best technique in the world. I know how to do this physically, but there is this mental thing that I need to take care of. So that, that, that was the shift first. I still was not on the spiritual side, but the spiritual side happened I walked in into the bookstore one day and picked up a copy of Dan Mailman's The Way of the Peaceful Warrior. I love that book. That, that's a <clears throat> And you know what happened? I read this book and it's bizarre. 
is crazy. And this guy, Socrates, is out of his mind. But this guy, Socrates, is an exact description of the guy that Sasha and her mom were calling to this guy in Russia. <laughs> and at this moment, connection is being made for me. Right. But it's not some crazy stuff out there. There is something to it. And well, there's there a, a Russian author. That I don't know anything about. And I have to know what that is. Awesome. Uh, are you familiar with the uh, Russian scientist slash author? Um, his last name is Levashov. Does that name ring a bell? He, he's no longer with us, but he wrote some really brilliant. Wait, Levashov? Yes. Did he have wife Svetlana? I don't know what his wife, what his wife's name is. If that's a guy that they called, that's going to be so bizarre. Um, but yeah, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. His wife was a famous, not that famous. She was a psychic. His wife was murdered, and then he died of heart attack a year later. That's the one. I have a crazier story about that. <laughs> Weirdest, I don't know well, why. Maybe not for the show. <laughs> okay, well, who knows? You know, we delve into areas that, that didn't used to be um, good things to talk about because it sets you in this area of being weird or odd or, or woo-woo. And now the listening has changed, especially in, in the these last couple of years, right? Because everybody uh, with the COVID and, and the obsession on self-hygiene and the sequestration, we've all had an opportunity to clean up inside too because we had, you know, the world stopped for a while and all we had was ourselves. So what do we do? Well, you're bringing something up right now, right? When you, bring, you brought that name, I have her book. And the cover of her book looks like the cover behind you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, though it, that's exactly, you know, the <laughs> unexpected... Um, and anticipated, right? You almost anticipate these kinds of things to show up when flow is happening. Because this is kind of what you're talking about is, is being in that place of flow. The mind's wanting to push and pull stuff around and you're wanting to say, wait a minute, here's my you know, flow. I'm going this direction. There's nothing going to deter me from that. And that's the kind of attitude that's really necessary for it. And yet, there's a guy that I know, John English, that he calls it the momentum tunnel. And there's lots of reference, other references to when you commit and you take action, the universe supports you because you're committed. And, and it's designed, the universe is designed to support your best efforts. And maybe not even your best efforts. You know, but when you've made that commitment to move well, forward, everything uh, else supports if, it. If those efforts align. That's such a weird synchronicity. The, the source. That has to align. My wife actually, uh, Luba's from St. Petersburg, and she's the one that uh, presented Levashaw's work to me and, and we talk about it and all kinds of quantum physics stuff and, and the relationship between it's so interesting to have that uh, and also you're going to grab the book now cool so in this process you know the um, Levashaw but that's yeah. his wife Oh my gosh, she is going to flip out. So yeah, in this sure. process, he's also talking about this aspect that now we can call, because we understand science a little bit more, it's an aspect of living in quantum entanglement with the unified field. And that unified be field being what's there to support you and connect you to all you are, right? And we're much more than just this physical body, even... Um, there's all kinds of references now 
of the multidimensional aspects that we are and how that kind of creates this, not necessarily a bubble, but maybe even a torus around us that we carry with us. And so as we begin to activate this understanding and um, acquiescence to the connection, everything else just begins to fit in and, and ripples are sent out and others around us too, right? So how does this now, you, you, you were talking earlier and you made this transition, um, Sophia came about and that is really a, a, an interesting, uh, I would say example actually of what we're talking about because there was an aspect of that that kind of bridged worlds right you were i don't know if you were in liminal space or what's called liminal space it's that space between dimensions the, the, the segue kind of like where we're at in between the piscean and the aquarian age right there's a segue and so you're operating kind of in in both or a hypnagogic state which is what happens right before you go to bed you know where a lot of out-of-body experiences happen for people where there's that that looseness of the mind-body connection if you will so how did that come about what was the next step and, and what process were you in when you had that experience of being given your name or the next iteration of you what okay let me repeat that question one more time for me Okay. In the process of your quest for being your best, and that you were in this process where you were questioning things and you heard the, the name Sophia, right? And that process kind of gave you the next step in your life. How did that happen? What was that like? And, and, what, what did you think or feel during that process? Well, <clears throat> my process, my process, my seeking process was, was finding the formula. So I was seeking the formula, how to unlock this potential, right? Mm -hmm. So that's been the threat through my entire life. And I, after, after I, did not get, I did not graduate from the sports psychology degree. I quit in the middle to pursue Kundalini Yoga teacher's training certification. <laughs> That's where I met my wife, was at her Kundalini Yoga teacher training graduation. Really? <laughs> So I was, I was, I did Kundalini. I mean, I once, after the way of the peaceful warrior, I mean, I was on the quest to find that thing. Mm -hmm. And that's a I demanding knew, training. Well, that's why I quit the sports psychology. I realized that I wasn't going to find it in psychology, mm -hmm. not in Western psychology, though it was not there. No, it's so inside I, of you, always has been. <laughs> so I did not so I quit that and I you know now all of a sudden I discovered the ego and the authentic self and I no longer want ego and so that means my competitive figure skating career started going because what kind of a coach can you be as a competitive figure skating coach when you don't want to compete anymore right <laughs> <laughs> so that yeah that's a that's a total shift of <laughs> direction well you know now too. coach pay is coming to the ring and she's teaching how to breathe and how to breathe out and how to connect to the energy and my parents of my students they're like come back to us what <laughs> like, planet you are you understand. on now right <laughs> you don't understand this is how we're going to do this. This is much better because now I'm seeing body is limited, mind is limited. And if you really want to be unlimited, then you have to go into spirit. Right. And so that was, that's how Kundalini Yoga happened. 
all by synchronicity was just guidance. And I was just following those. Now all of a sudden I started seeing these things that I never paid any attention to before. I started paying attention to different synchronicities. I mean, there was like constantly signs to follow. And that happened. And then I found University of Santa Monica. So that's how I quit sports psychology for spiritual psychology. And that spiritual psychology started really peeling the layers of all of the stuff that I put mm -hmm. on top. They had the yeah. experience, but you still under wanted to understand a little more about what was going on, right? Well, well, understandable. Yeah. I mean, well, we do. Because in, in psychology programs, you study about psychology in the book, where in a spiritual psychology, I was doing work on my own inner self. Right. So it wasn't, it was very experiential. I was doing work on me. I was facilitating other people, observing how they were doing that work. So it started all coming unglued, etc. And so you mentioned a key word that I think it, it, that we miss, and that's observe. <laughs> right? There's yeah. a there's an aspect of ourselves that needs to be present in observing what's going on, and it seems to then, because of that observation kind of have a little better guidance in the process or we do as a result yes 100 percent. and learning to be the observer was a very huge part of it and before the next part of stripping your name away and understanding that you are not your name right, right. <laughs> and you take that name off and put it on the hanger <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. who are you i am <laughs> and that's kind of it right is it that well, place uh, well when, we, when you announced me right as a, an identity expert that identity in i am is I, I am as encompassing whole. Mm -hmm. This whole is, is a combination of aspects of I am, which are qualities or the names of God. And so- All that, 72? I'm sorry? All 72? I received 50. Yes, I know in Kabbalah. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Jewish years. tradition, there are 72 names of God, right? Yeah. They're, they're yeah 36 I'm, greater and 36 lesser. Well, the reality Kabbalah, is they're both saying the same thing. Yes. Well, Kabbalah, Kabbalah has 72 names and um, Quran, 99 names, right? Yeah. And Kundalini Yoga, six. They have 1,000 names, but I have received 50. And so... I, and then the way I see now understanding why it's 50 is <clears throat> the actual, it's the essential names. And if you will look at the 99 and 72, it's just, you can repeat the same thing in slightly different variations. You can say God is mercy, God is merciful, God is forgiveness. It's still all the same kind of thing. Right. So well, there's, there's, what I understand from what you're saying too, is that, in the different aspects of God, which we are too, that there's these different frequencies and, and the frequencies are so subtle in the differences, but what they do is they feed into the aspects of your character building and your ability to perform at peak, which kind of ignites that, that core inner self that brings you into at least an understanding or, or desire to find your perfected form, fit, and function in the world. Well, when I have received the names, exactly, it's exactly that. And it's just instead of speaking on frequencies, which is frequencies, this is why um, it's, it shows. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's some sheen on that. I'm familiar with that book. So that's, yeah, well, the purple goes from darker it. to light, right? Okay. From, so it's like a golden down. And these are the progressions of frequencies, but they 
the names instead of calling them frequencies, we just have them in names and mm -hmm. and their tones. Mm -hmm. Their tones. You know, you when you utter them, the the frequency, the words really well, have power. Well, the words, the words of qualities. So when I'm saying I am today, I am respect. I desire. So so that it and this these names change and so you grow in those qualities according to your blueprint one at a time mm -hmm. um, one at a time so it goes you have a blueprint each soul has a blueprint of these names and they are in specific order and then you practice that particular right. quality and it's got a discipline just like anything else does it's absolutely right? that you, you have to achieve an understanding or knowledge and, and application at one level before the next one opens up yeah. it's like a software program that that you know has to go or a game where you have different levels and, you, and you've so got the, to pass the, through but the practices this right charging water on the on the quality and you're drinking it so it is a practice and the ritual, but the ritual is very simple because it's just drinking mm -hmm. water. Well, and, and that's very much like uh, Masaru Moto and his work with water and, and the discovery of what thoughts can do to water. And we're 70%, let's say. So we ought to be really careful about what we think about ourselves because our bodies respond to it and this is one of the things I, I you know for years we talk about living from here up because in whatever cognitive dissonance we have we shove down in our body and cause it to be diseased and depending on how <laughs> how uh, much of a grip we have on that or unwillingness to let go of it that disease can manifest in pretty catastrophic results so what you're saying is that through this, there's a practice that, that and discipline that's available to grow into that divinely ordered self, as you put it. It's okay. real, yes. It's, it's really powerful because it really, it bypasses everything. It bypasses, when I mean bypass, not spiritual bypass. Mm -hmm. sure <laughs> well, you can't right it bypasses mind right it bypasses emotions it goes straight to the core self and so once we go straight to the core self and that's so the best self becomes not just like people imagine my best self i'm working like this and I'm doing this and whatever it has nothing to do with that because that's all the that's all the express self. It's an expression of right. the core self. Right. So going to the core self of who we truly are, the essence of it, the I am on in these frequencies, and then understanding that the quality of God is all. And we have conception of the quality. And we were talking this morning with my husband. That's like, the further I go along on my blueprint, it actually gets harder because like, like yes, this morning um, I stepped into the quality of respect. And as I was doing my process, I'm like, I, like, I can't give the meaning to respect anymore because every, if, if I give a meaning to it, I limit what that means. So if I give mm -hmm. me, if I limit to what it means, that limits my, it limits, I may not right. see what it is. Well, it's, it's, and it's like me. identifying a tree, right? There's an image, but it really is a nebulous thing and, and it doesn't serve what the tree really is or, or the variety it may be or the mycelial network that it's hooked into underground and, and all the different workings it's living and breathing you know absorbing the carbon dioxide giving off oxygen we just see you know and so that really just that term really limits our perception of what it can be 
right? Just as as humans, right? putting a a name or a face, right? A face, not so much, but putting a name on something, kind of limits it. Anytime that, and I think this is what you're saying. Anytime you put a word to something, you lose the capacity for the expanded version and understanding. But we still have, we still have. Um the limitation that we put in, so it actually, it helps, uh, it helps to see this is my definition and that definition is a limited definition and just acknowledge that there is more. Mm -hmm. And as we expand our view of taking in more and seeing more, then our ability to embody more increases as well. Yeah. And as we embody more, we begin taking different actions. And as we begin taking different actions, we begin creating different manifestations mm -hmm. as well. And it, it, do you find that in the, like in using the word respect, like you were talking about earlier, that's a sensation. Right. The, yeah, we understand it intellectually. The embodiment of it is a sensation that we share toward someone, something. Right. So ha that limiting word doesn't give us the opportunity to really engage the sensation, although it opens the door to do so. Yeah, it is. Well, it, it becomes. It becomes, if I am respect, I desire, and this is who I am, how do I open my eyes to see through the eyes of respect everything? Mm -hmm. Because in the truth, if we look at absolutely any object around, nothing was created without respect. It's not possible to create anything without respect. Of some so sort of creative Absolutely. force. Right. So in being able to, to see through the eyes of respect and that shifts your way of being in the sense because you have to step out of the expressed self that is seeing things through, through the eyes of body, through the physical eyes, and see through the eyes of spirit that is respect. And mm -hmm. that changes, it changes how you changes operate. Everything. Well, that's the namaste and in right? That's what that is about, is the ultimate respect for another. And so, you know, the, the language that we use, how we're talking, uh, used to be foreign. Uh, not that you're, you know, an import. <laughs> it still gives that the, this new way of talking about things. It, it, it's uncomfortable to a lot of folks because when they start talking about, it, especially if they're having their own inner experience and they start talking to family and friends and things like that, everybody starts stepping away. Well, we need to encourage those, that, that conversation and the willingness to be vulnerable and talk about it. Because if we don't, can I show you something? This is my next word. I can't see. Oh, willingness. Exactly. <laughs> willingness and vulnerability. Those are two things that, that are, are symbiotic in my life and in being able to step up just as you have. Well, the, the magic of this practice is it does take you into a, operating differently, but it's it's a growth process and everyone is in everyone contains these qualities because we're all made of the same I mean our father mother God is the same for everyone the cosmic is the same that and these words is what cosmic is that means we are this it's just our express self is a limited perception and it's not that people would take those words and step right into the vastness of it, but you could, it just takes a little bit more of expanded awareness and it takes you out of your name and stepping into this quality and shifting a little bit, operating in a little different way. And that begins changing your relationships with other people, 
with yourself in subtle ways in the beginning. And each step, it maybe is two millimeters up and you're not seeing any difference. And then you take another step and not seeing any difference. And another step and not seeing any difference. And then you stop to take a breath and you turn it on and all of a sudden there is an elevation. And you're like, holy cow, oh my gosh, I can't believe I got here. And that's how it works. So it, it has been such a wonderful conversation full of synchronicities that I certainly didn't anticipate and I doubt that you did either. Uh, and it's just an example of stepping into the space together and sharing energy and, and having both the empathic and generative conversations that we're capable of having. And I so appreciate that. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much. And namaste and in la catch. Thank you so much for staying with us and, and watching this episode of One World in a New World. I'm Zen Benefiel, your host, and I will see you next time.